the product has got to be good. So with the Spice Girls, the music was really good. And then when I went into fashion, it was all about the product being good. So it's the same with the makeup. It was about what do myself and Sarah not have in our makeup bag. I'm Carly Zakin. And I'm Danielle Weisberg. Welcome to 9 to 5-ish with The Skin. We've run into so many questions over the years and had so many moments where we needed advice and we got it from women who'd been there. And that's what we're bringing you with this show. Each week, we're helping you get what you want out of your career by talking to the smartest leaders we know. Because we know your work life is a lot more than nine to five. All right, let's get into it. Today, our guests are Victoria Beckham and Sarah Creel. Victoria rose to fame as Posh Spice. She was one of five singers in the top-selling girl band of all time and a skin favorite, the Spice Girls. But since then, she's had two whole other careers. One as a fashion designer, showcasing at London and New York Fashion Weeks, and another as a beauty entrepreneur. And our second guest today is the person who helped Victoria launch her beauty line. Sarah Creel is a lifelong beauty product developer who's worked with Bobby Brown, Tom Ford, and Estee Lauder. And in 2019, Sarah quit to work with Victoria on their brand, a luxury eco-friendly makeup line called Victoria Beckham Beauty. Sarah and Victoria, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. We are so excited about this show. It's been a long time coming. We're going to jump in the way we do all shows with a lightning round. Quick questions, quick answers, because there's two of you. We'll direct a question to each of you. Are we ready? Sarah, what was the first job on your resume? Working at Bergdorf Goodman for Clinique. You've come along. I know. Okay, Daniel, you go. Okay, Victoria, do you have any hobbies or skills that we can't know about you through a Google search? Oh my gosh, do I have any skills? <laughs> like a novice makeup artist, what can I say? <laughs> All right, it's a skill. Sarah, what's the last show you binge watched? Succession. Victoria, what's your biggest guilty pleasure? Oh gosh, binge watching TV shows. What's the last show? Oh my gosh, I'm almost too embarrassed to say it, but I'm going to say it, Gossip Girl. <laughs> and that is like not even at <laughs> all the most embarrassing. I, it could have been so much worse. Okay, Victoria, what is a song that you're like, if I ever have to sing this again, I'm going to lose my mind? Oh gosh, Wannabe from the Spice Girls. I enjoyed it at the time. You know what? Because I just don't think it sounds the same on my own. There you go. I need the others for that. Okay, I'm available okay. if you want me to like help, you know, I could like do backup. Sarah, what is the one item of makeup you don't leave the house without applying? Posh gloss. I have a follow-up to that for both of you. When you were like part of the COVID phase one lockdown, did you still put on makeup and did you wear real clothes? Okay, I'll go first with that. I wore makeup every single day. And you know what? I enjoyed it because I had the time to do it properly. So there was not one single day where I did not wear makeup and there was not one single day where unless I was in the gym, I wore an elasticated waist. I wore denim through the whole of the lockdown. Okay, I can't say the same. From the neck up, 100%. Makeup, I love it. It makes me feel great every day. Okay, the clothes, let's just say I was really glad that Victoria and I were just on the phone. <laughs> we were naked from the waist down because I walked in on my husband one time and he was on a video call with someone really important and I'm not even going to say who it was. And he had 
a shirt and tie and a jacket. And his pants. <laughs> By the way, in English, <laughs> English pants, i.e. underwear. <laughs> okay, oh no, I never did That's that. Amazing. I never have done it to that level. Okay. Okay, but I have to say, an elasticized waist, yeah, a lot. Yeah, obviously. I mean, yeah. joggers. Join yeah. the club. Okay, Victoria, what's the last text you sent? To my son, Romeo, because he had a football game last night and he did really well. Very proud of him. Complete the sentence of what best describes your work day. Working nine till blank. I would say nine to nine with dinner with my girls in between. Okay, last question for both of you. What is one word a direct report would use to describe you? I've got one. What's yours? Energetic. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. And I would say conscientious. Yeah, is a totally. good one. I think both of us yeah. kind of, yeah. with both of those. Wait, because you're co-founders, I have one more question for each of you. What is the most annoying habit about the other? That's a good one. I would say, um, no problem. No problem. I'm jumping I, right in there. No, because it's like a double-edged sword. Perfection. And it's constant. And most of the time I'm like, yes, because I'm also a perfectionist. But sometimes when I'm really tired, I'm like, really? We have to do that <laughs> to that post. There's no detail that escapes her eye. There's nothing that you do that annoys me, but I'm just going to give you something else that I do that I'm sure annoys you, okay? Every day, how are we doing? Yes. How are we doing? How are sales? <laughs> yeah. yeah. How many people really like that olive eyeliner? Right. Really? Right. How many today? And I just want to say, there's a tool that Victoria could look at, okay? And she had it on her phone. She had it on her phone and it shows like how many sales we've had on our website, how many people, where are they shopping from? What have they bought? How many of each thing, et cetera. She had to take it off the phone because it was like crack. Too much. <laughs> she was oh addicted. So now instead, yes, that could be something. She's always like, how have we done today? What's it look like? Yeah, all the details. Mm -hmm. But it's so exciting. I'm sensing a little bit of a Carly Danielle vibe here. Yeah. All right, we're going to jump into the interview. So. Sarah and Victoria, you have both been interested in beauty for a very long time. Victoria, I'm going to start with you because obviously you have a very famous career that had already evolved into really proving to the world that like you're a designer and that you were more than your musical career. What was the moment when you were like, actually, like, I'm going to take on this. I'm going to take on beauty. You know, I've always loved beauty as much as I have fashion, to be honest with you. And it was always a dream. And I do believe in creative visualization and putting things out into the universe. We do too. And one day I got a call from Estee Lauder. Would I create a capsule collection with them? And I just thought all my Christmases had come at once. This was a real pinch yourself moment. And I jumped at the opportunity. I was on the next plane to New York where I went to Estee Lauder and I met lovely Sarah. Mm -hmm. And I just love the process so much. And what we both realized is that there was a real appetite for Victoria Beckham Beauty. And we just clicked immediately. And I loved every minute of it. Even the stuff that people might think is quite boring. Like, let's really obsess over the size of the pigments in this. <laughs> and let's talk for hours and hours about it. And anyone else listening to us would have thought, my God, these two, they're actually batshit crazy. Totally. But we enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was like that from the start. Sarah, what was it about beauty for you when you were first starting out? I mean, I was actually also obsessive from the time I was like 13. That's when I had my aha moment in a drugstore in my small town. And I realized that all of the mascaras that were up on the wall had the exact same formula. 
And the only thing that was different was the brush. And it dawned on me at 13 that somebody had the job of choosing the brush. So I really just, from that moment, it took me a while to figure out what that job was. I didn't know that product development existed until like a decade later, but that was the start for me. And I just loved everything about makeup. What I love in in thinking about Victoria, about your story is that you were 20 when you joined the Spice Girls. I mean, you were a baby, mm. not baby Spice, but like you were a baby. <laughs> Good and <idea>. you <laughs> went from being a regular person to being one of the most famous people almost overnight. And you built this whole career and then you transition into fashion and then you transition again. How do you think about building credibility to begin with and then building it when you transition? I think that it's fundamentally about working really hard and the product has got to be good. So with the Spice Girls, the music was really good. The music stood up for itself. You know, the lyrics stood up for themselves, the melodies did. And then when I went into fashion, it was all about the fashion and the product being good and not about anything else. It wasn't about my celebrity. You know, if anything, it was a bit of a double-edged sword because of that. So I knew it was about head down, really have a strong point of view, work hard. The product has got to really be good. And that was very important to me. And that's exactly what happened. You know, it wasn't that people left their preconceptions at the door. It was just that people really desired the product. And it was very honest. I've been very honest. It was product that wasn't available out there. It's what I wanted. It's what I had been searching for. And women really desired it. It was good quality. The execution was good. Everything was very considered. And I think that's a word that I use constantly throughout the day is everything has to be considered. So it's the same with the makeup, really. It wasn't about copying what anybody else was doing. It was about what do myself and Sarah not have in our makeup bag? What do we desire? What do we want? And what is our point of view? And the reason that we did it on our own after working together with Estee Lauder is that we wanted to create a beauty brand of the future with a strong focus on clean beauty and sustainability. So again, the product is speaking for itself. You know, there are a lot of celebrities, if you like, who have fashion lines and have beauty lines and they are just putting their names on product. And there's nothing wrong with that. They've had big success. But with me, it's always been more than that. And with Sarah as well. I mean, I think it's obvious for anyone who's ever bought one of your products, you didn't just put your name on it. Like I'm a huge fan of the clothing line. It was one of the first big splurges I ever made for myself. There's obviously like a quality as you said, is considered. There's also in having your name on it, on each thing that you do, like, and you're already a famous person, you're opening yourself up to scrutiny every time you do something. And I imagine that that just takes like a really thick skin to be able to like continue to evolve and do new products. What is your relationship, I think, with confidence in taking on new initiatives and trying new things? I know what I know and I know what I don't know. And I surround myself with incredible people. So with regards to new products, I couldn't be working with anybody more experienced than with Sarah. And I trust her implicitly. So it never even crosses my mind that anybody could say anything negative about the products because I trust myself as kind of Joe Bloggs, if you like, who loves makeup and has had the luxury of working with the best makeup artists and the best products out there. But then when it comes to the technical side of things, there is no one that knows product like Sarah. And so it doesn't even cross my mind. I don't even think about that. That's nice. 
That's the truth. Let's talk about that. How did you guys meet and how did you know you wanted to work together? Okay. I'm, I'm going to take this one because I love this first product meeting that we ever had. I flew to LA and I went to Victoria's house, which I wasn't even sure I was in the right place. And I'm walking up this driveway in the Hollywood Hills. And then I get to the front door and I'm like, am I in the right place? Am I not? And I look down and there's what other people would call a welcome mat, perhaps, but mm-hmm. it was like Beckham sized and it had a huge <laughs> B on it. And I was like, I've got to be at the right place. So then Victoria and I went inside and she took me to her dining room, which had, again, sort of in the right proportion of what you would imagine Victoria and David Beckham's dining table would look like massive. And it was covered in product that she had collected over 15 years. I was astounded. Really, I like had to pick my jaw up from the floor. And she was able to take me through that entire dining room table, which took us like four hours. And she told me what she liked and what she didn't like about every single product. And for me, I've had a long history of working with a lot of big names and they were involved to varying degrees. And I had never met anybody that knew makeup like Victoria did and had the passion for it that she has. And for me, I just was so excited about it because, you know, it just was immediately like a creative melding and a language that we had. We're obviously two co-founders. We talk a lot on the show about having like a partner and what that's like and, you know, the trust that's involved. It's one thing to be like, oh my gosh, we should do business together. And oh my gosh, I really respect your talent in each of these disciplines. Another be like, I'm going to spend every day with you. And I'm going to like literally put business on the line to be with you. Like what was the test for each other? Like, how did you guys know that you were each the one? Gosh, I mean, Sarah had a very nice job and a very nice office. And I've always been a risk taker. And Sarah took a risk. I mean, she gave all of that up to come join the WeWork in New York and be part of a startup, which has done phenomenally well today. It's a real success story, but there's no guarantee. Like I said, my celebrity, if you like, is a double-edged sword. It could have gone one of two ways, Mm -hmm. but I don't even think either of us questioned it, right? No, we just, no. I mean, I just felt like with Victoria, it was her passion, her true passion for it and her work ethic. I knew if I took this leap, which was really a big leap in terms of security and all of that, I just knew that she would work as hard as I would. And that meant the world to me. And then the other thing that I'd like to say is just, we have a really great time together. And that is so important. You know, we laugh. She's got an unbelievable sense of humor. I'd like to think I have a pretty decent one. And it's just fun. And fun is important. I agree. And like one of the questions we get asked all of the time is, you know, people are like, I have an idea for a business. I want to start a business with a friend. Do you think that's a bad idea? Or I'm in business with my friend. We have a great thing going, but we don't have the right way to resolve a disagreement or we don't have a right way to kind of set boundaries. How do you set boundaries in that relationship? And there's a disagreement. How do you decide who wins? We don't really disagree. You're like in the honeymoon stage. I just think that from the start, we were so aligned Mm. and had this vision of a future of beauty that we were both so passionate about. And 
I don't know. For me, Victoria is optimistic and also realistic. So, because I'm often the one who's coming with like the, oh, we can't do this at this time because of this, you know, I'm handling the logistics and supply chain and, you know, all the stuff that makes people's eyes glaze over. And I think the fact that she respects me and knows that I've brought everything I can to whatever the situation is, we just can kind of constructively move on. And we have so much respect for each other. I think we have very similar taste level. Yeah. Right. If yeah. You to say this or this, we're always going to pick the same one. And then I also have respect for the fact that Sarah knows this industry much better than I do. So, you know, sometimes I'm like, well, come on, this is what you know, you mm -hmm. know, what do people want to buy? They want to buy this green or this green, right? you know, ultimately, yes, it's about what I like and what we wish people liked mm -hmm. out of the two greens, but there's a reality that really you can only learn from being in the industry as long as Sarah has, I would say. I, I want to ask about culture because you guys have both the opportunity and the pressure of building something from the ground up. You start this business and you're hit with supply chain issues. The whole world changes overnight. How did you guys think about that as managers and leaders while you just started something and are creating a culture and get hit by the biggest leadership challenge that I think anyone running a business would say they've had? This is my first experience as CEO. This is my first experience building a company. but. The type of people who really are excited about a startup are those that love a challenge. And so I think from the very start building this, I hired people and attracted people who were interested in starting something from scratch. And that just, that's just a different type of person than somebody who just wants like the security and slow and steady. So. I think kind of inherently built into the company is that feeling of like can do. And that carried us through the challenges that we've had in the pandemic. And I would also say that it's important, I think, when you're building a company that your overall mission, which ours is like being clean and transparent to our consumer, but it's also those same characteristics need to flow through the company. You know, you really need to embody that in the company culture. What are some ways that you guys have done that or some ways it's been hard to do that? Victoria is very honest and she does what she says and she says what she does. And I would like to think I also am that way. And I think that we have these meetings. I have a meeting with my team on a daily basis, Monday through Thursday. And, you know, there's 12 of us. So it's not that many to share information with, but we share a lot of information. So there's transparency about what's really going on for everybody. So everybody kind of knows the state of the business, how we're doing, where the challenges lie, you know, and we talk about it at a group level. You know, one of the things that I was really struck by and really just respected in kind of researching for this podcast was that you guys are super clear on what a big vision you have for this and are really clear. You're thinking 10 years out. But what I, I'm struck by, because Victoria, you said a few minutes ago that it's a crowded space. Like a lot of people throw their names on staff and forget even just like celebrities. Like there's a lot of brands in this space, in the beauty space. For those that are listening that are like, I have a really good idea, but like, I don't know, the, the space is crowded or am I going to be differentiated enough? How would you respond to that? 
You know, I think that if you're passionate, prepared to work, put the work in. We wanted to do something. Yes, we were entering a crowded space, but there was a difference in what we wanted to do. It was about creating a beauty brand of the future. So really creating the best formulas with the highest level of performance. And that is not a crowded space. So yes, beauty is, but we were very specific. And so our area was not because there's lots of clean beauty brands and the performance maybe is disappointing, let's say. But we didn't want to compromise. And so, you know, Sarah spent so much time with the team in the labs, really challenging <laughs> everybody, right? And we proved that actually it can be done, which I think is where we have managed, again, because the product has been so incredible to really gain the credibility so quickly, yeah. which is hard for, it's hard for a fashion brand to get credibility in beauty, but it's also incredibly difficult for a celebrity who has a fashion brand to get credibility in beauty. So it really has all just been about the product. When you set out this vision, like this, it's a really big long-term, like 10-year vision. How did you do that? Like, what was your like actual creative process to put, you know, what was in your head to paper? Oh gosh, we're just scratching the surface. There is so much that we want to do, but with regards to what came out first, the development process is so long. <laughs> it is so long. <laughs> and so it's kind of what's out of the gate first, right? And yeah. what we're happy with, because ultimately, how many submissions do we get for every single product? You know? I mean, countless. It, it, it depends on the formula and on the, you know, the depth of the development and how far a certain performance attribute has evolved in terms of raw materials. So, you know, it really depends. But yes, for Victoria, trust me, she was like, God, this is long, you know? And then she was like, what are components? And yeah, they're annoying. <laughs> what are they? What are, wait, but what are components? It's the packaging. Why don't they just call it packaging? Because, you know, they have to be annoyingly technical. And <laughs> it's just the different pieces that come together to make a certain look. But I think also in terms of the creative process, when we first started, we had a conversation about throwing the marker out. When you said to me, like, what could be like the most modern luxury beauty in 10 years? What would that be? And that's really where we started because that's where it became obvious that we were going to be digital first, inclusive, clean, sustainably minded, all of these things that were of the future. And we knew it was going to be a challenge, but we knew it was the right way to go. But we also have very similar taste level mm. and fashion is important and keeping up with trends is important. But I do believe that we know who our customer is. We know what she wants. Yeah. And you obviously want to have that fashion message. But then for me, the word commercial shouldn't be a bad word either. So it's about knowing your customer and knowing what she wants. What does she want to put on her eyes, on her lips, on her face? Mm -hmm. Because the customer is actually us. So ultimately, yeah. it goes back to what we want, what we desire, what we can't find, what we don't have in our makeup bags. What we really, really want. Yeah. I love how you're saying that now. That's really I great. That. It's, well so line. it's kind of cool when you do it. I like that. It's a sign of a good partnership. <laughs> I like that. So you guys are a few years in. What are some things you look back and you're like, oh, I would have done that totally differently? I don't think we would have done anything differently. I think there are some things that now we were right 
to go direct to consumer. You know, that was always our strategy. And that's where we were lucky, I suppose. And and lots of other beauty brands, most beauty brands had so many wholesale accounts and retail. You know, we didn't have to worry about that. It was always the strategy to go direct to consumer. And obviously that was, that had its challenges at the beginning. Mm -hmm. But thank goodness, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think... I wouldn't change this, but it's been a factor for sure that we make our products all over the world at different factories, different laboratories. Mm-hmm. And, and that's because the idea is we're just going to make the best product ever. That's it. <laughs> that's the bar. And so in order yeah. to do that, that requires going to different laboratories who have different specialties and who are also willing to really work in the clean space with us and develop new plant-based polymers instead of silicones and things like that. So I joke sometimes our supply chain and the whole process looks like a bowl of spaghetti. If I could make it simpler, I would, but ultimately I can't because we just want the best and that's what it takes. And that's what makes us different and makes a product what it is. So it's a bit of a pain in the butt for you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's lovely for us ladies yeah. because it gives us what we want. There you go. So one of the things that we talk a lot about on the show is Danielle and I have been super open how much we did not know when we started the skim and really like you learn on the job. You learn as you go. And oftentimes I will hear words coming out of my mouth in like a finance meeting that I'm like, I can't believe I know that now. I can't believe I like know this vocabulary. What are things what, I don't even care if it's like the words, but like, what are things that each of you like talk about now in the course of business that you're like, I cannot believe I know about components. What are the moments that you have that you're like, who have I become? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's things like paid marketing. Oh yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, the, the email things that go out there, the email, not regular emails, but when you email the private yeah. customer. Yes. Like the dedicated. Yes, the dedicated emails. Yes. For me, definitely the finance. I, I totally relate, yeah. Carly. I really come from a creative background. And yeah. I do think I have both right and left brain, but the first board meeting that I really presented the PL and the full business plan and the whole thing, I felt like I am totally with you. The first time I ever said EBITDA in a meeting, I was like I'm so proud yes. of myself. <laughs> I don't think I pronounced it right either. <laughs> you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, it was really a sweat. And I remember then after the board meeting, Victoria and I went into her office and I sat down and I was like, you know, and she was like, yeah, honestly, that was really impressive. (laughs) And I was like, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. She was great. She was great because it's not often that a CEO stands up and they look like Sarah Creel. I'm just, I'm telling you now, no, they don't. Because not only does she sound incredible and obviously the smartest person in the room, she also looks like she does. And that's a vision in itself. So it's pretty impressive. Oh, it was you. pretty impressive. So we have a, a question from a listener, Lauren, and this is one I've been wondering, how do you find people you trust at work? And more specifically, how do you guys interview people? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I would not say I'm the most like professional interviewer, but I always pay attention to what is inspiring to that person. How do they spend their time when they're not working? Do they have interests outside of work? That's important to keep a balance. But do they love what they do? I really always look for passion. 
because everything else, it's going to be hard. You know, that's just the reality. Work is called work for a reason. It's not playtime. And so whomever I'm speaking with, I just really have to make sure that they've got huge level of passion. So yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah, I agree. And you've got to go with your gut. I think go with your mm-hmm. gut. I'm a pretty good judge of personality, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I want to see the good in everyone, by the yeah. way. I think that's the other thing. That's I the optimism. Really do. So many people say to me, gosh, how do you trust people? For me, I trust everyone until they prove me wrong. Did you ever tell an interview subject, don't go wasting my precious time? <laughs> if you want to get with me, it. it'll be just I really fun. did. No, I did not. But maybe <laughs> next you. time I will, because that'd be pretty good. <laughs> I think that would be really good. Ladies, congratulations. The products are fantastic. And it's really impressive what you've built together with the care and consideration that you've done. And you clearly have a great partnership. So it's fun to Thank do this. You. Carly, you didn't ask the last question. You were really oh, working in that line. Sorry. Who's someone else we should have on the show? Ooh. You know, Danielle, they're a really nice partnership. You didn't have to do that. <laughs> I mean, they've moved on already. Right, like, right, exactly. All right, Next. You, know, uh, you can come back. We have more to ask. We have a lot more questions. Eva Longoria is one of my best friends. And I love chatting with Eva because I think it's always fun to talk to entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. people that have great sense of humor, which she does. She's hilarious. She's recently just launched her, her tequila. I know. I just met her at her tequila launch party and she made me a delicious drink and was quite lovely. And I think that is a great idea. And you know, she's a really good, kind person. She's a great mom. Mm-hmm. And the amount of philanthropic work that she does is just insane. The work she does with voter activation mm-hmm. is amazing. And so she's very entertaining, yeah. sweet, kind, funny, and very smart as well. All right. Yeah. You want to introduce us? I'll introduce you. Make it Sounds happen. good. Good. Yeah. Thank you. You want to get her to come into your studio and get her to bring a crate of that tequila <laughs> with her. <laughs> oh, we would love that. Thanks for listening to this episode of 9 to 5-ish with The Skim. A new episode will be in your feed again next Wednesday. In the meantime, check out our news podcast, Skim This. Every Thursday, we cover what you need to know each week in 30 minutes or less. And we've also got another podcast, Pop Cultured with the Skim, where each week we're covering the pop culture moment everyone's talking about. New episodes drop every Tuesday.